Hello, listeners. This is Jim, the Keys bartender, coming to you from Key Largo. How are you today? Let me turn this volume down. I think I'm probably blasting you right now. I'm using a different mic. If you're a long-term listener and you've um, heard it's um, a couple of years ago when I was going to Poland, I had brought this microphone that I, um, it looks like a capsule, a big capsule, about four inches long. It's uh, metal, silver, and it has, a, it's a tripod, the, the legs fold up on it. So it looks like a big metal pill that would be taken as a, a maybe a capsule by a robot elephant, consider it's metal. So... I gotta put this on pause. My uh, phone's ringing off the hook. I made a mistake. Uh, I'll talk about that a little later. But this microphone that I'm using when uh, when I'm traveling and it goes through security, it looks like something different. It looks like a big ass butt plug or vibrator or something like that. And when I was in Poland, the air travel security guy, whatever their version of the TSA was, asked me to whip it out. And it comes in a little black drawstring velvet thing, which makes it look more like maybe, you know, one a small butt plug or something like that. But I told the guy, I said, no, it's a microphone. He goes, oh, show me. So I bring it out and it has the legs and all that stuff. And it doesn't, doesn't have it definitely looks like a microphone but the shape of it does look kind of i i don't mean adult adult shape uh that being said since i'm uh yeah i'm i'm trying to motivate myself it's so hard to do a show sometimes when you feel you're not at your peak i'm physically fine i just have a lot of things to take care of and it's hard to keep your mind on track with your your main goals my main goal today besides going to work and besides teaching my spin class which uh, starting next week I'm going to be teaching my spin class twice a week actually two and a half times a week because it's going to be some pop-up classes every other week or every couple weeks too so I get to lead a spin class more and uh, I think that'll probably take me out of the funk. But the the kind of funk I'm in, it got, uh, you know, some, you know how it happens to everyone. I realize I'm not in a u- unique situation. Luckily, my family's healthy. Uh, we are, excuse me, I'm drinking coffee. I didn't want to burp into the microphone. Uh, but it is piling up. I had... Today, for the last couple of weeks, I just realized when I locked my car, my horn wouldn't go off to signify, signify that uh, the, the uh, car was locked. And then the other day, I was trying to get someone's attention, a friend, and I was hitting the horn, and the horn wasn't going. So I quickly surmised, I could be wrong, that the fuse has... Uh, was blown for the the fuse that controls the horn on the car. And 
So I went and started downloading things. You know, everything's available on the internet. And I'm so, I used to have a Chilton's manual years ago where I can, you know, for almost any car, you can do almost any type of work. And until recently, I could download the schematics or a fuse box, the schematics of a fuse box, a diagram to tell you which fuse is which item. And when I started doing research, there was, my gosh, there was like 15, 16 different arrays for the fuse box. And if you ever gone into the fuse box of a car, you'll see, and I know this is above some of your heads and stuff like that, or some of your more in-depth knowledge of it, there's dead spots meaning they don't have fuses in it. It doesn't mean they're missing, they just don't use them. What they do is they use a fuse box, they put fuses in it, and they wire whatever requirements they have to that fuse box. Meaning if they, whatever features they have. If they have um, warming seats or um, and, and, you know, collision detection items and stuff like that on your car, that's all goes through a fuse box. This way, you have, you know, you don't have one fuse that controls the whole car. You have multiple ones that control these subsystems, and you can replace them when they get overloaded or whatever causes them to burn out. And I started looking at this. I went to one of my local auto stores, and I had all these different diagrams for a fuse box. And the one I got was backwards, meaning everything on the left was on the right and it seemed upside down and it wasn't the right amperage and things like that. And I am in over my head and I couldn't figure it out. So I'm thinking, why don't I pull every fuse? I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I know that sounds like, hey, Jim, you know, maybe you should just take it and get it fixed. For a fuse, for a fuse, I'm not going to pay a couple hundred dollars to replace the fuse on, on the horn. If that's it. If I can fix it, that's what I always do. If I can fix it, I fix it. I don't, I don't do my own brakes. I don't do my oil changes and things like that, partly because... I'm not that kind of car guy, but I can do I can do uh, belts, batteries, and fuses. Just one of these things I could do. I've done it before. I actually put on an air pressure sensor on one of my older cars that I had about you know twelve years ago. So I spent a couple hours on that today, and. Uh, this year, we're looking for a new health plan. It is a pain in the butt. But I realize, like everyone else in the United States and in the world, it's not. I'm not solitary with problems and things like that. So I, you must prevail and go on. So I'm going on with the show. That's it. Yesterday was my double, so I didn't really have time to to do a show. Did I do a show yesterday? I'm not exactly sure. Maybe I did. But something I didn't get a chance to talk about, there was a news item that popped up. And, you know, that's a correct 
metaphor for it because it's called, it, it was a lead story on uh, this news item was penis plant blooms for the third time in Europe. And it, there were so many things interesting about that sentence or that headline. Penis plant blooms for the third time in Europe. So what, what it is, is called a, the name of the plant is an amorphalus day, I, I mean, day, decusilvae. Sil, amorphalus, amorphophallus decusilvae. The penis plant. Because it looks like a, a misshapen penis. And I guess the last time it bloomed in the area, it wasn't even the same plant. They said it was about 23, 25 years ago. And it's only bloomed three times. It's, it's a native plant of in Indi, Indonesia, the island of Java. So I imagine it blooms there on a regular basis. But, and it's, it's uh, this big-ass plant. And the smell, it smells like rotting flesh. That's what they describe it as. I mean, it's like a big winter. I guess the only reason why they're doing it is because it's, a, it's, it's called a penis plant. Imagine a penis plant and it stinks like a rotting corpse. And where they, it bloomed was one of the, uh, maybe it was a year ago, year and a half ago. I had some listeners from the Netherlands and I think they finally got over what I had to say about later Dorp, uh, the uh, the Le- Leiden, I think Leiden, Leiden, L-E-I-D-E-N, University of Leiden, the Botanical University in Leiden, which is near later Dorp, Netherlands, which I was making a courtship plea to later Dorp, meaning I was wanted to do some kind of ritual with them, maybe get Key Largo to be the sister city or something like that. But then again, it's not its not a famous enough city. Now it might be, because it does have a penis plant that smells like a rotting corpse. And uh, so I guess things haven't changed that much. The national news media is still kind of controlled by the mentality of 12-year-old boys or 58-year-old bartenders. Because that is a weird thing to lead with. A penis plant. But I would take it. You know, if someone say, hey, you know, pitch some stories. I'm a USA Today editor. Oh, we have this news item out of the Netherlands. And it's a Morphalus decasilvate plant, otherwise known as a penis plant. And it doesn't bloom that often. And it blooms. What are you saying? Penis plant? Put it on the front page. Well, I don't know if it was on the front page of USA Today, but the USA Today did have an article on it. And NBC, I think, carried it. And CNN. Um, you know, there's any, you know, any reason to get an article to make people turn the page to it. You know, how many times these horrible stories are you going to... I mean, turning on the news. It's horrendous, some of the things you hear about. 
It's a big world out there and some bad things happen. Fortunately, most people don't have those horrible things happen to them. But the news kind of creates that atmosphere where you're saying, oh my God, it's so dangerous. People are so violent and things like that. So every so often, they have to throw in a story like the penis plant. The Morphalus Decus Silvae plant. I, I'm sure I'm mangling the second part. I think I got Morphophallus is the first part, which means misshapen penis. I think I said penis enough on this, so we'll move along with that. I mentioned yesterday on the previous episode that we would talk about another classic drink. I guess the I'm going to combine these because I did talk about the martini, but it also talked about a little about the Manhattan. But along the lines of Manhattan, when you blend a little from that Manhattan, there is a drink called the Old Fashioned. And it's made with whiskey, bitters, a bit of sugar, usually normally a sugar cube, Orange rind and cherry and water. Now, I use club soda. I've been, I did a little research on it, and no one makes it with club soda. So, I've been making this drink wrong for years. I think what happens when you're a bartender, you learn it the first time from someone, and you think that's the way it's made all the time. You just say, oh, that's, and you realize that there's so many different recipes for the same drink. I mean, it's generally the same thing. An old-fashioned is normally made with either Canadian, bourbon. I guess you can make it with scotch. I don't know if I'd make it with scotch, but yeah. Or rye. You could do a rye old-fashioned. And it's on the rocks normally. Normally. So what the way I make it is simple syrup, a slice of orange, and a cherry. And then muddle those a bit. From and then uh, a splash of bitters, uh, the whiskey about two ounces, and club soda topped with. It's a simple drink that I've been making wrong forever. But I mean, people still drink it. They didn't, you know, they don't dislike it. So now I guess I don't understand if you're putting ice in a drink, why would you need to put? Water in the drink. I, because there's going to be water. They said to put two teaspoons, two tablespoons of water in with the, the old fashioned. I guess that has to do with mixing up, you know, where they used to use sugar cubes. You put a, one cube of sugar in there. Have you ever seen that? People say, you know, that's how they used to take the sugar instead of using the spoon. They use little tongs to pick up, you know, one lump or two. Right or three, depending on that. So yeah, old fashioned sounds like a sexual position, doesn't it? It's like a missionary position. Let's do it. I'll do an old fashioned. Give me old fashioned. Give me old rub and tuck, or the happy ending, or something like that. Now, old fashioned goes in a rocks glass. It's generally uh, about a five inch 
a five ounce glass holds five ounce liquid, but with the ice, whiskey, club soda, I put a splash of club soda, but you can put water and you make those. And that's an old fashioned. And you really don't shake an old fashioned. You shake the Manhattans, the martinis, and things like that. And uh, you get in a Manhattan, it's, it's whiskey and sweet vermouth, unless you're getting a dry Manhattan, it's whiskey and dry vermouth. And a lot of times when it comes to Manhattans, they're served up, meaning chilled, chilled up, no ice. Or you can have it on the rocks. So if it's up, it's in a martini glass. If it's um, on the rocks, put it in a rocks glass. That's it. There you got it. You got a basis for some old-timey drinks. There's drinks out there I'm not going to talk about because even though they're in the books, people don't drink them too often. If you're a seasoned restaurant worker and you worked in different places, you'll have noticed a interestingly shaped bottle. It's got a wide bottom and it tapers in curved in and goes up. It's kind of tall with a kind of yellow golden, um, uh, yeah, uh, like a piss colored liquid inside. And that's Galliano. And Galliano, I bet some people drink Galliano. But generally, Galliano is used as an additive. It's an Italian liqueur. And I think Cinzano may make it. I'm not sure. Because I haven't seen a bottle in years. But if you ever heard of a drink called a Harvey Wallbanger, and it's been such a long time since I made one of those, it's a screwdriver with a little Galliano in it. And back in the, I wasn't serving then, but I imagine when it, what is height of drinks was 60s and 70s, and then it started tapering off in the 80s. You know, if you go to an old school, I mean, cocktail place they might have it still but anything they call like a Harvey Wallbanger they'd make any drink they'd call against the wall make a so-so against the wall meaning you're going to put a little Galliano in it like you're going to have a Cape Cod a Cape Cod is, is vodka and cranberry with lime with a lime in it so these old timey drinks like lime Ricky's uh, Jen, Jen Rickies. There's the, oh my gosh, I forgot the other one. The, uh, But there's tons of drinks when they come up and the people don't drink anymore. Pink Ladies. Uh, Brandy Alexander's. Things like that. They were like 50s, 60s, but... You know, some of, the, some of those classics, like the Martini's a classic, and the Old Fashioned, and the Manhattan, they're still there. People still drink them. Because they just have a way, you know, a nuance about it that people still do it. Those candy flavor ones, they don't last. Because they vary so much. I mean, when someone asks for a drink, I like coconut. And I may get, if I can get a coconut vodka or a pineapple vodka. I know pineapple is a coconut and stuff like that, but 
I can use a little Coco Lopez and pineapple vodka and make kind of a a drink that would be complimentary to that. When someone comes up, I said, do you like the, I'll ask them if they'd like the ingredients. They might, it would probably go together. Some things you kind of know that won't go together. I make a peanut butter martini. Yes, a peanut butter martini. He said, well, how the fuck do you make a peanut butter martini? I'm going to tell you. Use a, let's say a five ounce glass. And what you want to do is you're going to use two parts vodka. One part chocolate liqueur. A teaspoon of peanut butter a tablespoon of ice cream and a little ice and blend it well. And blend it well. And you can garnish the martini glass with... And when it blends, that mar, that peanut butter actually goes throughout the whole thing. And it tastes... People love it. I'm just going to say it tastes great. I never... I, I didn't like these dessert martinis when I was drinking and I'm definitely not going to... If I ended up going out, it would not be on one of these dessert martinis or flavored drinks. It's not like Jim. Jim's going off the off the wagon. He's drinking a strawberry daiquiri. I've had a strawberry daiquiri. I've had a pina colada before. I haven't had a lot of them. Had a strawberry margarita. It's just not one of those things. I go back to the things I like and my the things I always liked was beer. Vodka, bourbon, wine, maybe gin, a gimlet, a gimlet, like a gin gimlet, a vodka gimlet. But that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't drink, I never really was a big f- fan of rum or scotch. Like, give me a good gin, vodka, uh, a dry red or dry white. I'm not into any sweet wines. It's pretty good. Last night at the bar, someone brought in a really nice bottle of Syrah. S-Y-R-A-H. And it had a wax cover over the top of the bottle. And people get a little intimidated by that, some of the workers. And you just got to cut around the top of the bottle right down the lip. I should I should do a video on that how to do proper wine service. So when you go up to the table, you have all your glasses and all this stuff. Make sure they're clean, and you hold the bottle, label out towards the person whether it's their wine or not. Meaning, if they brought it or you brought it because they ordered it, you present it to them. You show them this is it. This is the year. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to open it now, and then you start cutting the foil. I'm a big fan of cutting the foil. I've seen people do it where they just put the corkscrew in and pop through the, the foil. That's not the way to do it. You can, first of all, you're going eventually going to cut your, your hand. The foil is going to get it. What you do is on every wine key, a wine key is that little like three and a half inch, four inch uh, tool that opens up. And it's not like the corkscrew where you have the two arms and you screw it in and then you push it down on the side. This is more like a pen knife. And what you do is you have a tiny little knife on one side for cutting a foil. It's serrated, a tiny 
one inch long serrated blade and that's just big enough to cut the foil or in this case the wax off the top of the bottle and I guess that keeps the wax keeps the cork from drying out because that's a big deal when you have wine sitting around sometimes sometimes people really worry especially really good wines I don't know how many great bottles of wine that I've taken my wine key from and I started screwing into it and I just see flakes of the cork coming off that could mean a lot of different things but what it means to me is that the, there's dry rot in the cork and there's a really good chance that if you're not careful you're going to break the cork apart and it's going to fall into your wine so you got to kind of back it out and be sure but sometimes the only way to do it is to you know go all the way in stick it all the way in there I mean get that corkscrew all the way in and then slowly back that cork out because a lot of times when you get dry rot you just get pieces of it and it falls into wine's cork falls into a really good wine they call it it's called corking or it's being corked and that ruins it for some of the aficionados other one if someone brought it and they had a dry rot cork i would approach them and say listen this bottle it's dry rot could be caused for numerous things but a lot of times it's because people didn't store it if you ever seen wine stored it's usually stored at a tilt with the bottom up slightly and the front down slightly and that keeps the cork moist meaning the wine's hitting the top of the bottle and it's getting some moisture to the cork so it doesn't get that dry rot and the uh, wine kind of seals up meaning the cork gets gets bloated on the bottom which is good because it keeps it from uh, oxygenating inside and that's what sometimes turns the bottle you know the wine into in the vinegar if it's stored uh, long but i'm getting too far afield of this stuff so these guys had this bottle of wine i got the wax i'm showing it to them and when you're when you're cutting the foil you just want to make sure you got the bot label out and you're just moving the life or knife around it. it's a skill not a great skill and then when you're putting the wine key in you keep you want to turn the wine key and keep the bottle straight towards the person holding the neck out doing that and then you open it you don't take the cork all the way out you bring it right to the end that's what i do unscrew the corkscrew then pull this cork out let it rest for a little while sometimes people have big carafes where they the wide bottom carafe so the wine can open up the taste because when it's sitting in the bottle it it's stored that way but really good wine needs to be breathed it needs to breathe it needs to get some oxygen in it temporarily obviously in a day or two it's going to be dog shit I always say that about wine, stuff like that. You have the cheap wine. I mean, the stuff that you sell in the gallon bottles, the, the two-liter bottles or whatever they are, they last forever because of some of the, the way they manufacture it. The other stuff, if once you open it, it starts turning in the beginning. 
it's usually good after it's probably at the, its peak a half hour after the bottle's been open, and then it starts to degrade after that. That's why you see people taking stoppers that have um, a valve on it, and you can suck all the air out. And it's a pump. You pump the air out. It makes it less interactive with the... And it'll last a day, two days. You get uh, wine coolers. The cooler you keep it, the better. But not necessarily in case you necessarily don't want to chill wine. And um, since we're on the topic in the United States... We serve our red wine a little warmer here. It should be a little cooler. And the white wine, very cold. And it should be a, a little closer closer to room temperature. White wine should be chilled, not ice cold. Now, champagne could be ice cold. It should be ice cold. So that's pretty much it for that with the old-timey th- stuff. I talked about my car. I talked about the penis plant. We did have a lovely couple from Minnesota in last night at the bar, Harlan and Christy. And they sat with us at the end of the night, sat with us. I'm talking about the royal we. And they were asking about the food and what's it like to live here. And I told them I was recently up north of here and I said pretty much every place is north of us in the United States and it's only a couple days and I explained to him the things you've all heard that we only have a couple days a year that are like fall up north but even up north isn't like fall right now they do have a crazy I think they're just finishing up with the bomb cyclone it's like a pocket hurricane that developed off the coast of North Jersey, the tri-state area of Jersey, uh, New York, and Connecticut, going into the rest of New England. They're talking about over 90-degree gust. I mean, 90-degree, 90-mile-per-hour 90 gust. Here we are. We don't get much. We get some a couple breezy days, no close calls, and they got nailed up there. We didn't even get that. We get a decent amount of rain. We did have a, we're catching up on our rain, but it's, I guess that's a new normal right now. Speaking of the new normal, most of the places that I go to now, at least here, I know Florida is a little different. Uh, at work, I'm not wearing a mask. At the hospital, Dave Institute, I don't have to go to the gym with a mask on. I'm going to be teaching the two spin classes a week starting next week. So I guess things are good. But, I mean, you, you, I had to psych myself out to do this show here. Things are, things are pretty good. I have to really focus on that. And I think some of the times when I do the podcast, it reminds me that, you know, I'm not here to bitch to you. I'm going to come out of the closet right now. No, I'm not gay. I'm not always the happiest person in the world. I am not. I'm trying to be upbeat and things like that. That's that's the way I like to be. But I do get down. And I think part of it is aging. When not everything's working well. 
uh, for for me at my age, at 58, I guess I'm doing better than most physically. But it's all relative because you're thinking about where you could be, where you're at. You compare yourself to other people. I mean, you always want to be your best. I, uh, I find it hard sometimes to be the person I was 20 years ago nowadays because my energy level is not as good. My physical capabilities aren't as good. I mean, I just watched a guy on a... It was on Facebook and stuff. guy was doing barbell... What what they called rows? They're called reverse rows with uh, uh, dumbbells. A two hundred pound at one hand, two hundred pound, and cranked out eight of them. Now, I may be able to. I mean, I'm a big guy, but I can't do more than, gosh, eighty, maybe ninety. Granted, the guy was 20 years younger than me and probably had like 30 pounds on me. But Christ, that's twice as much. Cranking out those 200. I know there's other people out there who says, oh, I can't do 20. You know, you see these other people that come out of the gym. Gym's full of like disparities when you go there. You got the people that are barely ambulatory coming into the gym. And I'm not pointing anybody else, but you've seen it, especially at a hospital gym. At a hospital gym, because it caters to people that their doctors are there, and they say, "Listen, when you go, you get a discount when you go to the gym here." And we have trainers and things like that. And then you have the younger people, some of them awesome shape. You know, they're bench pressing 300 pounds, maybe 320. I work out not necessarily. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna show. I don't. I don't know how much I bench my. I can't. My upper limits for benching. I'm sure it's someplace in the 200s, because my weight's over 200. You could should be able to bench your weight easy because it's a push up, right? I mean, it's a little, a little, not exactly because you got your feet are picking up some of it, but the hands are pushing up. So you should be able to do. Uh, your weight, if you could do a push-up. Some people can't. Some people can't do a push-up and stuff like that, and that's fine. There's all takes all types. And there's other people that when they're, they're benching over 100 to almost twice their weight. My back and my, 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 back and my stomach are probably my st- strongest muscles, along with my legs. And I try, I do that with, I work out on my shoulders and my arms and things like that. Just, Part of it, like I said, I'm coming out of the closet. I'm a vain man. I'm not going to have the body I had when I was 44. 44. I had a great body. Great body. Lean. No excess fat. But when you get older, everything starts migrating. You know, to the waistline, the butt. And I'm just thinking... Oh man, I would just need to redistribute some of these muscles again. I need them on my thighs, my legs, and things like that. And I just and I have to keep in mind, I'm 58 years old. It ain't going to happen. So when I go and work out, I tell people I work out for the sake of 
keeping my body as strong as it can be. Not, I'm not going to do powerlifting. I seen older guys powerlifting. I said, what's the point of picking up 400 pounds in a deadlift? I mean, how many times are you going to do that? What you got to do is pick up, you got to be able to, you may want to pick up 75 pounds a bunch of times and carry it. Right? There's something in the real world. How much are you going to put over your shoulder? I mean, some people, some people want to put 300 pounds over their shoulder, stuff like that. But it's the thing about lifting and, and getting older is that your capabilities diminish. And when you go into the gym, you're thinking in your head, I should be getting stronger every time I go. I mean, that's a logical thing, you think. But then you got to throw the other logic in is that I'm aging, so I'm actually getting weaker. Now, when I'm not working out, I can actually get stronger to a point. You can get, I can get stronger up to a point. And I'm not going to do, I'm not going to juice up. I do enough protein, you know, whey protein, organic protein to kind of replace some of the muscles that I had on my shoulders, my back. It's always I'm always concentrating. I tell people if you're gonna if you're gonna work out one part of your body or one area of your body, do your core. Work out your core. I think Jack Lane, the old timey exercise guy from the late forties, fifties, sixties, it was the end of the nineties, I think he was doing he would show up and do like one hundred push ups. And even Jack Lane, who worked out all the time, his body kind of you know, just gets when old people work out, their body gets kind of weird looking and stuff like that. They show you, you, you see it on social media every so often that you can't have, you can't have a body of a twenty year old without doing major, like cert, certain types of supplements and things like that. And you don't really know what it's doing. So. I, I caution, you got to think about what you want to do for the long haul. You want to keep on working out. You don't want to go to the gym, do a deadlift, throw out your back. That's why I see people doing, when they do CrossFit and things like that, that's great, great. But it's high impact. And if you're, if you're doing CrossFit with younger people, they have different requirements than you do. And younger people are still getting stronger, where you're looking to maintain. If you're and in the beginning, you don't definitely don't want to be doing things with people that are super fit. Here's that phone, man. I, I'm telling you, I made the mistake of uh, going to a uh, healthcare site. And I'm looking for n- new plans and things like that. And they said, "Can I give your n- number out?" And I said, "Yeah." And I thought it would be a couple companies. Well, it looks to be about 50 different companies. They put it out and they sell it. I guess that's the thing. You know, when you call and clearing us, oh, we can get you, we'll send you to here. And they get the phone call and they just give it and they sell it, sell the, the inquiry to all these other companies. So last couple of days, I'm getting a shitload of phone calls. Okay, well, I'm going to start wrapping this up. I want to thank all my listeners. I'd like to thank all my listeners uh, in the United States and Florida. We need some Key West. Uh, listeners, we need some marathon listeners. Got the Key Largo people. Thank you. Uh, we're in full 
Fantasy Fest mode right now. Yeah, Fantasy Fest, it coincides with uh, Halloween. People getting body paints. I see some lovely women scantily clad down there. So it's going to be exciting. I think they canceled some of the activities, which I think they may have canceled too early. But I guess they had to cancel. I don't know. I don't know what Key West was thinking at the time. Because things are opening up. Now they don't have those activities. But there's a lot of partial nudity going on, which is great down here. Not so for everyone. I told you that. Not everyone needs to show all their body. But if you're proud of your body, do what you're going to want to do. And don't let anybody shame you for it. Um, I'd like to thank my foreign listeners. Taiwan, India, France, Germany, United Kingdom. Thank you, Poland. And another call to action, I I may be falling on deaf ears, but if you could download as many episodes, I'm talking to you listeners, please download as many episodes as you can, even if it's episodes you listen to, and delete them after a while, okay? If you've listened to them, delete them. If not, download them. And this way, if you don't have internet, especially, you know, we're coming into winter. And you could get, you know, anytime you may be cut off from the outside world. What could be better when you're snowed in someplace? Right? In Bozeman, Montana. Or North Dakota. Or Minnesota. Minnesota. But having a couple hundred episodes of the Keys Bartender. You can fucking listen to it all day long while you're trying to dig you out. And then some day future generations will find your ice house frozen. And they'll find you in your easy chair with your headphones on. And they'll say, oh, this person died. Let me turn this off. This person died listening to a podcast. No, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, remember, folks, uh, if you have any questions, please send them to Jim at keysbartender.com. Uh, please download as many episodes as you can. Help us out. Uh, that The more downloads I got, the more listeners. It equates to listeners. And I get uh, more sponsorship opportunities. And when I say more sponsorship opportunities, there won't be more commercials. There's always already breaks in there and stuff like that. What I'll do is a cutback on the uh, breaks that they do the commercials, and I'll do my own commercials. And they're usually better, usually better than the other ones because I'll just come up with it. No, I'll write them. I'll make it informative, and uh, I'd like to thank you. I'll be signing off. Uh, hopefully, I'll be back tomorrow. But thanks for being here. I feel better already just having an opportunity to talk to you. Have a great day and goodbye. Till next time.